everyone, welcome to episode 26 of Sparkle and Destroy. I am your host and very stuffy, stuffy, stuffy host at that, thanks to these terrible, terrible allergies, Haley Crusher Kane. And uh, I'm squirting things up my nose that I'm not used to squirting up my nose. But you know what? We're going to get through it together. Uh, it's been a while since the last podcast. Um, been doing some traveling. Uh, went to the Midwest uh, for about 10 days and had a very unique and many flavored experience. <laughs> um, I talk a lot about food on this uh, podcast, of course, because, you know, what is a tour diary without the minutia of every single little tiny thing you ate? Um what happened was I got home from tour, had like one day off, and then went to LA for like a couple more dates, like three or four more dates. And then me and Dr. Kane got back to Slow, California, where I am recording from right now. And I was dead tired. And my sister, as you guys may know, lives in Berlin, Germany. And she was like, I got to hear everything about it. And I knew I was going to have to tell this story to a lot of different people. So um, she actually actually suggested, why don't you just record it, and then you can have a, a perfect <laughs> recording of all the crazy shit that happened on tour. Of course, I did forget a couple things that were pretty insane, um, like um, Dr. Kane leaving our pedals in Iowa City, which was already a crazy clusterfuck of a show, and um, having to get up on stage in St. Louis without any of our gear because we we only travel with guitars. We don't bring amps or anything. Um, we did actually have an, have amps, so thanks to um, a friend of, of our drummers, Amato, who we love, who's from the band Devious One. So we had amps, but we didn't have like our effect pedals. So like things like that happened that were really crazy, but like the good people of the Midwest um, really carried us. And as you'll see in this interview, pretty much everything we can get we can owe a, we can owe like 70% of the success of this tour to just like the good people of the midwest the audience members the people that run the venues the other punk bands the bookers like we were very well taken care of and we were so appreciative but of course you know i had to get a little sassy and there may be some um, some sassy avocado content here because, you know, 10 days without an avocado and Haley goes crazy. So I hope that you enjoyed this uh, silly and sassy conversation with my sister Chakra all the way in Berlin. You can hear in my voice that I am tired <laughs> and a little bit like, you know, scruffy because, you know, you blow your, you blow your voice out pretty quick when you're doing that many shows in a row. Um, I will definitely get another podcast to you after this. I have something lined up actually for tomorrow, so you can expect another podcast much sooner than this one came. Thanks to everyone who seems to care <laughs> and sends me text messages or nudges me about the podcast. I really do enjoy doing it and I really appreciate the fact that y'all listen in. So without further ado, here's my conversation with my sister Chakra. Peace out. If you can record if you want to. <laughs> I'm just really tired. I bet. I'm like still so tired. When did you get back? Well, I got back from I'm LA like on Monday. So we did the mm -hmm. whole Midwest tour and then back home for one day and then we did three shows. Oh. Three shows in Southern California and then came back on Monday. Rough. So 
Yeah, I need feel a vacation tired. from your tour. <laughs> well, we always laugh that we don't on vacation. We wouldn't just lay around somewhere. We like to like do stuff. So yeah, yeah. But it was a really good experience. It was um, flying into Detroit, uh, actually Ypsilanti, which is right near Detroit, to meet up with the drummer that we know we've never worked with before, who booked a lot of the, hmm. the stops and practicing with him for a full day and I pretty much almost blew my my throat out in the first practice oh, because no. I was so excited to be you know finally meeting this mm. person and playing with him and we had so many shows to go and we'd never played together that I think we practiced for like four hours yeah. but to me it felt like 30 minutes oh that's not good yeah and I, I didn't really realize yeah. how long the practice was so that was interesting, but he learned the songs really quickly. That was kind of a good realization. Like, oh, I guess you know, people can learn songs and they can cool. jump into stuff. So, and then we took his van um, uh, from Detroit to like all over the damn place, and each mm-hmm. each stop was like at the minimum three hours and at like the maximum like seven hours in the van so it was a lot of driving every day whoa yeah i'd never done that before like driving from each place like doing a show being dead tired and then having to uh you know get in the van and like go straight to the next thing you know so that was pretty yeah yeah that's gnarly it was gnarly it was super gnarly I feel like that's how I've heard tours described before. Um, and like, yeah, that's super rough. That's just how it is. And I think next time we'll do like um, closer together cities, maybe some smaller cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Because we hit a lot of major cities, which was awesome. But we probably could do something slightly less ambitious and still like, you know, have fun and all that stuff yeah but the shows in general make it a little less rough on yourself yeah they went really well we made about twenty six hundred dollars in 10 days whoa yeah which is great uh we of that money we ended up profiting only about five hundred dollars because of all Mm -hmm. the expenses and then gas and food and we ended up staying at uh two hotels um the rest of the time we stayed with other people Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it was really it was really cool. I mean, I could tell you about specific dates. I I don't know what yeah. you want to know. I want to know everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, what well, was one? Tell me, like one of the three best moments or something like that. Um. Well, the first show was in Chicago, and that went really well. And that was at a place called Liars Club. And I've actually never been to Chicago, have you? No. Yeah, it was like a big, big city. It felt urban and big and like a real city. And I I guess I just haven't been into a real city since I went to visit you. Like a Mm -hmm. real metropolitan city that's not just like sprawl. I mean, it is sprawling, but the downtown feels like, I don't know. Chicago's a real city. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it. Like big, tall-ass buildings. like. Yeah, um, but that was cool. Liars Club was cool. Um, I actually met a lot of cool, like, female musicians at that show, and I'm going to interview one of them on the podcast. 
And uh, you would have liked the venue. It was cool. They they have like these like fez lamps. They're they're like lamps that look like fezes. <laughs> <clears throat> and it was cool. There was also this girl named Haley who was also there, and uh, we played with a friends band named Beastie and uh, one of the girls in the band, Dominique. I guess she was in the bathroom and this girl was like in the, she was like in the stall and this girl named Haley was like in the bathroom, like talking about cocaine or trying to get cocaine Uh or offering it. I'm not sure which one. And so Dominique thought it was me because she hadn't seen me (laughs) since I came in. (laughs) That was pretty funny. Um, I think that girl and the owner of the venue like went off to have sex at some point. And everyone was worried about us getting paid, but we got paid fine. But it was just, like, city shenanigans. It was very yeah. silly. Um, and then we went to Minneapolis. Um, did we go to Minneapolis after that? No, no. Oh, yeah, we went to Milwaukee after that on Friday night. And Milwaukee was, like, a really – I don't know if you've been to Milwaukee – but Mm-mm. it was super cool. Like we went to um, the Pabst Brewery and ah. the Schlitz Brewery that's closed down now. But it's like it's very like Laverne and Shirley. Everything looks like Laverne and Shirley. The intro to that show, like factories. I don't remember the intro? Okay, it's like factories and bricks and like. Did we watch stacks. Laverne and Shirley on Nick at Night together? I feel like we watched Mayo. more Bewitched. Okay. But uh, it was very, like, industrious but old. And I got Mm. to, like, see, um, like, the fawns, like, the statue of the fawns, (laughs) which it's, like, life-size. So he's, like, my hype. (laughs) But that was cool. Like, we got to go hang out and, like, go to all these cool, like, uh, old places, like the breweries. But then the show was at this place called uh, Quarters Rock and Roll Palace, which is Mm. not a rock and roll palace. It was very, like, (laughs) it was more like Quarters Rock and Roll shack and uh i have no i have no issues with the venue the end venue was actually cool like i like places like that very hole in the wall but Mm -hmm. uh, it was not very well attended for um what we thought it would be so that was we kind of started off with like chicago being pretty good selling a lot of merch we sold merch everywhere which was cool except for milwaukee we didn't sell any merch i think we sold like one cd to this middle-aged lady who was just really excited to be out and about and she was all like happy thing. yeah and like I danced with her to like a Ramon song after the show like they were there was just like music playing and she was just drunk and you could tell she was just like one of those ladies that just never got out of the house and mm-hmm. she was like the only one that bought anything and there was just it, it was just bad there was just no one there that sucked oh and then her drummer Dougie walked into the bathroom and found a girl like giving head to two guys at once what? How does yeah. that even work? I don't know. It was just like, <laughs> it's a whoa. great story, though. Yeah, it was funny. Um, Dougie was, all he said was like, I don't care what she wants to do with her life, but that floor is gross, and I would never. <laughs> that was the worst part. Yeah. <laughs> and he, like, um, he drove us everywhere, which was really cool. So he he's full of stories and, like, funny sayings and stuff so uh, it was fun to hang out with him um let's see oh we had a chicago dog that was very important have you had one of those oh, wait so you flew to the midwest and then he drove you around 
Yeah, we flew to Detroit and then took his van okay. everywhere. Okay. So Reed and I just brought guitars and pedals, and then we oh, Dougie cool. helped us borrow um, a bass amp and a guitar amp from the guitarist and bassist of his other band, the Devious Ones. So mm-hmm. and we were also able to practice at that guitar player's house near him. So, cool. um, that, it just worked out better that way because if we had to drive all the way to Detroit and start, mm, that would just cost yeah. a shit ton of money. No, it was really cheap for us to fly with our like mileage points that we have, and just that was way, way, way cheaper than it would would have been to drive out. Right, and that would have taken a lot of days. Serves the purpose of like house slash transit for West Coast gigs. Yeah. But I think next time we're going to bring our new van out to the Midwest. Um, so the next was Minneapolis and it was like snowing. That was cool. It was like barely snowing, I guess. But for us, like weather, mm-hmm. all the weather to us was like amazing the whole time, you know, because it went from like not snowing awesome. to snowing to raining to like St. Louis was super muggy. You know, it was all very cool. weird. But the in um, – at the Hexagon Bar in Minneapolis, we played with this band called the 99ers. And I love that they're, like, older, but they're super selling it on stage still. And it was really inspiring. Yeah. Like, I, I like their music a lot, but it was so fun to see band a band that's, you know, probably in their 50s or, or older, like, just selling it and just kicking ass on stage. And the lead guy in that band, Steven, who's from England, he hosted us at his beautiful house. He had this gorgeous house, oh. super nice. And we got to stay in this, like, he was calling it the the bridal suite. It was like this upstairs little room. <laughs> and, and like, there, there's all these framed photos of like Jerry Seinfeld and like all these musicians. And he's got all this like framed, you know, Ramones memorabilia and like uh, downstairs. He has like a million guitars, including the guitar that my guitar is a knockoff of. Like I walked oh. in and I saw like the Gretsch um, that is the, the the original of the Gretsch that I have. And it was like, you know, my guitar looks like it's sprayed with like sparkly stuff from like a, mm-hmm. a spray can. And his spark- <laughs> his sparkle Gretsch was like layers of, fl- of flakes of glitter and like mm. champagne colored and like uh, I was I was in love with it. Um, so he had a really cool just like little pad for us to hang out in and um it was nice it was really really nice really hospitable and all the people were cool and the crowd was cool it was like older people and younger people and because we were so close to Canada it's like everyone's just clapping really politely (laughs) that was weird (laughs) um we played with this clash cover band that was all women and that sounds really cheesy but it was actually really cool um what else? Yeah, so that was very interesting. Um, Tell me about the chili dogs or the Chicago dogs. Oh, yeah. Dogs. Uh, so the Chicago dog, I was really pissed because we didn't have any pizza in Chicago. Mm. We were holding out for this pizza, but we never ended up getting it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, we're going to get this thing. And then if you don't get the thing, then you just kind of miss out because you're just – any pizza we encountered, we're like, oh, we're not going to get pizza here. We're going to go to this other pizza place. You know, mm. so we just kept like putting it off until finally we were leaving Chicago and I had not had pizza or Chicago dog. And I almost cried. I was so sad. <laughs> so as we were leaving Chicago, uh, uh, we're leaving we Chicago. 
Oh, totally. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, there's a, it was called like something beef. I can't remember the name of this place. It's like somebody's beef. It's like a weird name. And we go in there and there's just like all these dudes that are like, they look like they work in factories and they just have like all these like hot dogs and like beef sandwiches and they just like you walk in and the guy's just like what do you want you know <laughs> and I needed a second to look at the menu and he was just like rolling his eyes you could tell this was like a very local thing um it was really funny um but yeah so we got the Chicago dog it had peppers pickles that special salt they put on it cucumber um tomato relish onion but it's hard to describe why it's good. I think I think because basically the, it's a salad on a hot dog. Yeah, totally. And there's something about the the beef they use for these hot dogs, and there's a certain seal mm. that you're looking for at the, each okay. establishment. It's like a special seal that you know shows that it's like a good beef provider or brat. Okay. I'm not even sure if it's a hot dog mm. or a brat. I'm just so out of my element. But it was awesome. It was super super good, and. I would recommend it if you ever have a chance. Um, I'll go to Chicago one day. I think you'd like it. They have a lot of theater there. I mean, you know that they're home to like, I think it's Second City. And they do like, you know, um, improv and yeah. it's very cultural. It's like a huge music scene for like blues and soul and just like everything. Yeah, not to mention that. That's true. Dancing. Yeah. So after that, we went to Iowa City. That was quite a drive. And that sucked. That was the worst show on the tour. So at this Is point, we'd had Iowa a. Iowa or Kansas? Or? Iowa. Okay. So we had a really good show. We made a ton of money merch wise at Hexagon. There's a lot of people. It was super fun. We got to hang out with Steven and his crew, 99ers. And then we go like to Iowa City. And that sucked so bad. It was the worst. And when we got into town, there was like this little tiny theater that, where David Sedaris was speaking. Mm. And yeah, I, I wanted to go see David Sedaris like more yeah. than I wanted to be in Iowa City. <laughs> like I didn't really uh, want to perform. Yeah. <laughs> so the venue itself, it's not like the venue's fault, but it took me like, I had to basically research bands and reach out to bands for like a couple months to get like we didn't even get anyone on the bill basically like we gave up because nobody would play Hmm. with us and we don't know if it's the venue or it's just the scheduling but like nobody would play it and we had to contact all these bands and nobody could do it it was like this huge drama and then the venue itself what sort of reasons did people give um they're just like no they're like oh it's too last minute because we thought that the venue had it under control uh, to get a local opener so for all these shows, we have like, you know, three, lo- three local bands we're playing with, two mm-hmm. to three. So it's a three to four band bill. Otherwise, okay. you're not really going to draw because people don't know you. And I'd right. sent out posters to all these cities. So everywhere I went, most of the places mm-hmm. I went, they had posters up. But like some places didn't. Anyways, uh, this venue, mm-hmm. I don't know if people just don't like the venue or whatever. It was downstairs at this venue that's pretty cool. But the downstairs is pretty small, and it was a Sunday. Mm. So Sundays are okay. really traditionally hard, too. 
But the venue had basically been like, oh, I know you're struggling really hard to find some local openers and we haven't found anybody, but we got this one kind of folk band that will play. And we're like, whatever, we don't care. We don't care, just anyone. (laughs) I thought the folk band was from Iowa City, but it turns out they're actually from a different, they're not from Iowa City. And I don't want to say where they're from because I don't want anyone to like look them up. It'll be easy enough to look it up if they want to. But um, Mm -hmm. so we show up. And we go downstairs, and this is, like, the first thing we see as we're going downstairs is just gear everywhere. Like, it's a very small venue, but there's just boxes, like, those big gear boxes there okay. that, like, actual big touring bands have, like, everywhere, all over the place. We're like, oh, my God, what is going on in here? Why would you need this much gear for this tiny little show? And we see these, like, kind of, like, white, like, uh, like folk Broish dudes like I don't know how to describe them they look like they were from like a GQ cover model shoot but they had like neckerchiefs on and they were like folk band but like we're so handsome and cool like that's the vibe I was getting but like also broish so we walk in, in and they don't say anything to us and we're like okay well they're busy like setting up whatever so we go over to the sound guy and the sound guy this guy Tyler Quinn is like just doesn't even know what to say to us he's just like um they brought their own sound guy so i'm not even really dealing with this so we're like what the fuck who brings their own sound guy to like a venue that holds like 20 people it's ridiculous and so we realize pretty Mm. soon that these people are just completely uninterested in actually having like a real like like show they just want it to be them they just want it to be them they didn't want it to be like an actual like shared experience because we're talking to the sound guy our, the actual venue sound guy and this guy just walks up doesn't even say hi to us or anything and is just like we were told that we would have an hour and 45 minutes set an hour and 45 minutes set that's a whole show that's insane like most rock bands or most rock shows like you play 20 to 45 minutes tops and really? then like 20 being the least and 45 minutes being the most. Unless you're like a real headlining band, then you might maybe you'll play an hour. But that's how most rock shows are. And yeah, there was only two bands on the bill, but still it was like insane. And we're like, uh, well, we have to drive to like a rural farm like two hours away after the show. Like we thought we could open. And they were like, well, we're already setting up all of our insane gear. So there's no way we can move it so you guys can play first. And we have to have an hour 45 minute set. And the show starts at like eight or nine, eight o'clock. So it's like, why would that, that basically takes away any chance of us having a good shot at an audience. Cause you're saying you have to be playing until 11 PM on a Sunday, you know, mm-hmm. Sunday shows are not well attended for most venues. So you want to play earlier. So they were just like, well, we have an hour and 45 minutes. And the sound guy's just looking at me like, Oh God, what do I do? Like he was this kind of younger dude. You could tell he wasn't, you know, he was kind of like, oh, what do I do with these people situation? And we didn't know what to do. We weren't trying to be rude to them. So we're like, okay, well, that's, can you do an hour, you know? And they're like, well, we'll think about it. But just really bro-ish and just kind of like, this is our space. They had like eight banjos and like eight guitars. Like they were setting up all this crazy stuff for like a tiny show with no stage in a 20 seater venue. And so we were just like, whatever. So uh, I got really mad and went to this other bar 
to get a beer. <laughs> and the bartender was like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, this band is just taking over the whole venue and it's just a, a disaster. We're considering if we should just leave because we have to go mm -hmm. to this farm tonight and they're just completely assholes and so privileged and so just like man spreading all over this venue. And he was like, let me guess. <laughs> It's it's this band. And I was like, holy shit. He actually <laughs> knew the band. He's like, this is, band is notorious for doing this. Hmm. That was pretty funny. And then I got him on video talking about how much he hates the band and how dumb they are. <laughs> it turns out it was that bartender's birthday. And oh. so he was like, well, they're throwing me a birthday party at this cool bar that I work at. But maybe <laughs> I'll come over later. And I even tried to get him to, to have us play at the cool bar where he worked because mm. I was so annoyed with the lack of organization, the lack of caring that this venue that was having us was showing. Like they basically were non-existent. There was, there was no organization. When we tried to talk to the sound guy, he was just like, well, it's out of my hands. Like nobody could really like help us out here. And, and what these guys were doing with this hour 45 minute set and all this equipment and having their own sound person are, are completely out of the ordinary. That is not something that normally happens. And I feel like any seasoned sound guy would have been like, you guys sh seriously sh like calm down, you know, but this, this kid that doing sound there just didn't know what to do. And we felt bad for him. But the sound guy is not a stage manager. He's not, that's not his job. His job is just to like do the sound. Right. But at most clubs, so I wouldn't like expect him to try to manage the bullshit of the musicians. Well, what not... I mean is he would have been like, this is bullshit. Like, it's not his job, but he'd just been like, okay, this is bullshit. Like, you're making it hard on me. You're, I'm here for no reason because I'm supposed to be doing this and you have a, your own sound person. Like, I feel like a... Uh, well, he doesn't care. He's getting paid to be there. Yeah, but I think he was very uncomfortable with it, too. Because these guys just came in and took over everything. And, this, and the sound yeah, guy was... rude. Felt... He, he, you could, he was really young. I think he was, like, 22, the sound guy. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like a more grizzled sound guy would have been like, okay, you want to do that? All right. Like, I'm going to make this kind of hard on you. If you really want to be a dick about everything, make it hard on the other band, make it hard on the venue. Fine. Go ahead. Uh, in fact, this band is notorious for doing this stuff with their gear where they are literally traveling mm -hmm. with so much fucking gear for a, for a folk band that patrons will come into a venue and turn around because they think that the venue's not open because the people, because this band just spreads their gear everywhere, like all over the place. And it's crazy because it's for like a tiny venue and it's a folk band. Like they don't need like, they had like a whole rack of guitars. It was crazy. And they had in-ear monitors. They all had in-ear monitors, which is also crazy. You don't need in-ear monitors for a small venue. And it's just insane. So we're just like, what the fuck? Like, fuck these guys. I was so annoyed. We had traveled like maybe five hours in the van to get there for the show. You know, like we, we, we traveled mm -hmm. hard. And so um, that was the worst show we've ever played ever in my life probably. Um, no, 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 actually no, because we, we played fine. We didn't fuck up. But there were basically the sound guy there. Or I'll tell you what happened. So they played first, and their egos were so big they couldn't handle the fact that nobody was in the venue. So they basically <laughs> played for like an hour um, and then packed Serves up. Serves them right. I know, and they didn't even talk to us or anything. Uh, they just packed up and left, and it took forever for them to pack all their shit away. But they were so pretentious. Like, all their lyrics were just like, where have all the average people gone? And, like, you know, you know, talking about how, you know, pious – The ones who can't afford in-ear monitors. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> pious people call us sinners, and the sinners think we're saints. 
and like talking about like the, the lead dude was talking about how he's like it's good to be back here you know this is where I got my first um you know uh Bob Dylan vinyl was in this town. Like, just so fucking annoying. Like, Yawn. everything he said, I was like, I couldn't stop laughing. That I had to, like, go outside. It was so bad. And then at one point, all the douchey GQ fucking folk guys in his band, like, stop playing. And they go out to, like, where the audience would be standing if there was an audience there. <laughs> and they all just start whistling at each other, like, in unison. Like, a bunch of, like, um, like Boy Scouts. What? Like, whistling. Like whistling a tune in unison, like like a choir. It was so weird and so annoying. So, anyways, they leave. They're like a barbershop quartet of whistling. It was just like so pretentious and stupid. I was so annoyed. And then they just left. Um, oh no, they told the sound guy, the real sound guy, hey, can you just Venmo us the money that you owe us for the show? <laughs> Which is like also against no. the code. Like you're not supposed to do that. You. First of all, you support the other you band. You stay to the end of the fucking show like everyone else. Yeah, I know. Wait for your money. You That's could, how it works. You could tell they thought this whole thing was beneath them. And me- meanwhile, we're like, well, this will just be a practice show because we could use the practice as a band mm. with a new drummer. So we, were, mm-hmm. we weren't being like, oh, we're so much better than this. We're like, you know, there's a couple dogs. There's always going to be a dog. And this is, our, this is the dog. It's fine. So we, we played and it was generally basically a practice show. We played for Tyler Quinn, who was the sound guy who we loved, the young <laughs> the young guy. We played for the the bartender that came over from the other place, who's it was his birthday. He came over and bought us shots. So he was there. <laughs> and then it was Yeah. And then it was the bartender and like maybe one other person. And so we played for literally no one. At least the douchebags left. I kind of feel like they should have stayed. Like we stayed for their stupid set. I mean, granted, we laugh. I laughed a lot. I didn't mean to, but I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty rough. And then, so the next night, well, we, we drove for two hours in a thunderstorm to get to Dougie's oh. aunt and uncle's um, uh, rural farm in rural Iowa. And there are mini donkeys there and, like, they were oh. really nice people. Yeah, we got to, like, hang out with mini donkeys. There was, like, Arnie, Ernie, Ollie, and Andy or something. <laughs> Oh my god! I hope you took pictures. Oh, I took tons of pictures. See, you don't follow me, so you can't. You can't I see. Do. Well, I took. I did video and pictures of these stupid on Instagram. Videos. Yeah, and Facebook too. Okay. Okay, I'll get it. And so that was cool. And there were thunderstorms the whole way, and there was just like flatland and corn. It was pretty cool to see all the corn fields and to see like the wind-powered things. And I'm not used to seeing like Middle America, and we got to see a lot mm-hmm. of that out in Iowa and his aunt and uncle were amazing and they took us out to like this town population like 40 and we got these things that were called giant tenderloin sandwiches which are like the size of have you have you heard of these no so the tenderloin is like a schnitzel but it's like the size of like a dictionary and then they have like just basically Yeah. I love how dictionary is the unit of measurement. I don't know, like a laptop size. You know I would understand. Well, <laughs> I'm talking like um, not girth, but like size. Like, because it's what? thin. It's pounded thin, but it's like the size of a large book. Like, not a small okay. book, but so a it's large like a book. Schnitzel. Yeah. Yeah. And then. But not like that shitty, bubbly schnitzel that we had. No. That was disturbing. No, not like the bubbly schnitzel. But I'll, it was, it, honestly. I don't want to talk poorly of it because 
uh, Dougie's aunt and uncle <laughs> took us to this place. This place is known for the, it's called Fat Annie's in this little teeny, tiny, tiny, tiny town. And you just walk in and it's just like, you feel like you're in 1973 and it's just this tiny, tiny little uh-huh. spot with a jukebox playing the scorpions. And um, <laughs> so it's this giant piece of pork and then they have basically like um, hamburger buns. So it almost looks like a yarmulke, like this tiny little hamburger <laughs> bun. <laughs> and they put oh pickles. Uh, yeah. So they put pickles, like ketchup, mustard, and like onion on it. And so you're – so you have to cut around the the meat to like put it in your mouth. If that makes sense, uh-huh. like, like in a circle, and then like that meat just becomes leftovers. And the okay. breading is just crackers, so it's like not even really seasoned. It's just like basically crackers. So it's like a schnitzel with like no seasoning and like a cracker crust. That kind of sounds terrible. I mean, if you put enough ketchup on it, it's pretty good. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I could have used a little more seasoning, um, but it was pretty cool. So we had that. Yeah. Fat Annie wasn't there that day, but we had that. And then his aunt and uncle took us to this other place nearby. It was like a gun shop slash bar that's been around since like the late 1800s. And that was cool. And the guy that owned it, who's like 98 years old, was still there. And he was like wearing overalls. And we sat and had – I guess we had like a PBR or a Milwaukee's Best or whatever. I think maybe you took a picture. Does it look like a general store? Yeah. Kind of inside. I was like, what the hell is this place? Yeah. And so that was cool Cool. until um, the lady behind the bar basically was like, you need to try pork cracklins. I never had that. And she put this like pork skin. It's like pork rinds, but you put it in the microwave, so then when it comes out, it's like crackling. Uh-huh. Like the hot grease on it is like crackling. And okay. she gave me you this. burn yourself? She gave me the spicy flavor, and I just – I couldn't – I felt bad not eating it, so I was just eating these pork cracklings. I was like, this is gross. I'm not into this. Um, And then the – So you're eating sweaty pig skin. Eating sweaty pig skin. Because you felt bad. Kind of. Yeah, I, I felt out of place and I felt snooty. Like, for instance, Dougie's aunt, who's amazing, like she's an angel, and I love that they helped, like, took us and like took us in and let us stay with their at their house. But she said, like, I I don't like avocado. What did she say? She said, I don't like avocado. I've never had, I never tried it, but I don't like the way it smells. You're dead to me. Right. So I I just knew instantly there was gonna be like this midwestern like disconnect in terms of food where like I had to just shut my mouth and just like eat the things and not be snooty and not be like you know I want to order a salad because the salad's just (laughs) iceberg lettuce and all the iceberg lettuce salads just come with two giant tubs of ranch like sides of ranch like they think they think you need like a gallon of ranch yeah so that was I was watered down the salad yeah but I had to be humble and be like, okay, well, I'm not going to be a bitch about this. And I, I wasn't upset about it. It just felt very – like the way that Aunt Jean felt about avocado is the way I felt about pork cracklins. <laughs> so <laughs> like it was a cultural uh-huh. divide. That's how I feel about pig feet. I'm just right. like I haven't had them and I know I don't want to. And part of it's cultural because if you grew up in a country where you ate pork feet, 
you might it would be different yeah i'd be like oh awesome pig feet but no and then like the owner of the place was talking to a patron in there about something and he's talking about sand rats and i was like sand rats i thought it was an animal so i was like what's that you know i thought it was like a groundhog or some sort of nuisance that would you know tear up your lawn or something and then I realized, oh, no, like they're talking about all the hotel owners in this little teeny tiny town that are, you know, all, um, you know, from the Middle East. And I was just like, oh, fuck. And like I look over at Reed and Reed's just like sh- like shaking his head, like just like don't say anything. Don't say anything because this guy's like 98 years old and basically his eyes are cloudy. He can barely like kind of keep it together yeah. conversationally. He, he was barely there. So – and his wife was there and she had she was just like dementia out. And so that was really weird. We walked around this old town and the tourism's all gone from it and like seeing how dilapidated it was and how a lot of mm-hmm. these rural communities live, it just made me feel more like I guess I understand more why we have such a cultural divide in this country cuz like obviously there's very impoverished places where they just don't have they're ignorant and they don't have the knowledge and they're poor, and maybe their they job went away. Behind of the American dream, the industries are dying. Yeah, the like wealth is gone. Yeah, and they see other people as an excuse for why they don't have. Right, and they're looking at outsiders. So I kind of that was interesting. It was yeah. one of those moments where I was like, oh, learned a lesson there. Um, but it was very fascinating, and it was a very cool day off that we really didn't have any days off except for that but it was so nice Mm. to just sleep and rest and hang out at this beautiful farm and that was super cool so iowa city was shitty but iowa in general was not shitty for that reason Mm. okay so then we went to st louis uh where it was suddenly very muggy so we went from like normal kind of cold weather to snow to thunderstorms constantly, to like really muggy, swampy. Um, mm. So that was weird. It was like every place we went, my hair was confused. Like <laughs> I couldn't get it to do anything because it was just like, is it going to be humid today or is it going to snow? What's happening? You should just start wearing like a big beehive wig when you're on stage. <laughs> and then it's just like it always looks good. Yeah. <laughs> or always look shitty, like as you prefer. I thought about that. I thought about that. Oh, we did, but we did go to um, this place called Mars Cheese Palace while we were in um, Wisconsin. Ooh, yeah, that was pretty cool. And it was like this giant, or no, Cheese Castle. So it's Mars <laughs> Cheese Castle and Quarters Rock and Roll Palace, um, and was in Milwaukee. So yeah, that was pretty cool. So we just got to see all this like cheeses and sausages and you just walk in it's all I mean you would have loved it it was just like cheese curds I tried my first cheese curds Mm. so that was cool um but yeah St. Louis so so Dougie had decided unilaterally he's like this other band I'm in called the putts uh wants to do a cover of this E.G. Daly song called One My Love E.G. Daly's the um female lead in Pee Wee's Big Adventure you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Have you heard her music? Mm-mm. Well, you're going to have to look her up now because I wasn't familiar with it until he 
basically was like, I want you to do the song when we're in St. Louis, we'll go to my friend's studio and we'll record it. And yeah, but I'm not like a singer like you. I feel like if I had given you this song, you'd be, you would just do it. Like you have a better range than I do. And so I, so for the past, maybe like three days, I had been listening to the song nonstop, but not really knowing how to sing it. And you know mm-hmm. how annoying it is when you're trying to like work out a song, but there's people constantly listening to you, like working mm-hmm. it out. I was so annoyed because I would go to the bathroom and like Reed and Dougie would be at the brewery like drinking and I would be singing in the bathroom and come out and they'd be like, oh, we heard you singing the song. And I'm like, God damn it. I just want to place because you're <laughs> in a van all day with these people. So <laughs> I show up to the studio. I still feel like completely unprepared because I never had a time to just like belt it out and kind of like find where I'm going to sing it at without mm-hmm. feeling self-conscious because I'm just, you know, in a car with these, or a van with these people. These people, my husband and my friend, but still, I just, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, people. you're like trying to work it out, but it's like you're in a van and then you're like, you know, have to get to the, another show and you just, you're playing music and you don't have time. So I felt super unprepared to do this song and it's a really difficult song. Like E.G. Lewis, E.G. Lewis, E.G. Daly, she goes from like really guttural, like really down here, like bluesy to all of a sudden going so high, like Mariah Carey style. And in this song, she even does one of those Mariah Carey, like screechy things. Okay. You know what? You know how Mariah Carey does that? That like, ah, like, like a dolphin. (laughs) That's like something Mariah Carey does. If you didn't know that. Um, I haven't listened to Mariah Carey since I was nine. I know, but I kind of forgot. My analogy doesn't work, and I remember you had a Mariah Carey CD when you were young, yeah, and that I, I listened I to was with really you. Into it. Yeah, but I forgot. Dream lover, come rescue me! Oh yeah, yeah, na, 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 na. yeah. But you know how <laughs> she goes up into, "Won't you please?" and she goes really high. Oh! Yes. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. So oh, EG Daily yeah. is like that. And they're like, we want you to sing this song. And it's it's so crazy. It's like. And you're like, what? It's like. <laughs> Dougie. <laughs> Dougie was just like, you you have a really um, kind of a raspy voice sometimes. And you have a fun voice. So you could do the song. and But it's it's so hard. It was like. Uh, uh, I don't know that I've ever heard you sing that high. No, I don't sing that high. Can you hit the high notes? Well, the, I didn't. I didn't go as high as she does. I kind of kept it mm-hmm. a little bit lower. But it's like you never know if you're the victim of a fool. And then it goes, "All I know is I can't stop thinking about you." Like it goes from super okay. low to high. That's like Prince High. Oh my god. High. It was so difficult. And so we show up to St. Louis and we go to the studio and it's dumping rain. So it's swampy. It's dumping rain. And the studio is flooded. And oh, no. Yeah. The guy there, Gabe, who who it's his studio, Encapsulated Studios, he's like trying to get the water out. And I just felt so bad. It just felt like so apropos. Like, I'm not prepared for this. It's fucking flooding. Like, we are all soggy and tired and like hungry. And uh, I just figured, you know what? I'm here. Let's do it. And Gabe was actually really cool because he uh, he's really good at piecing together, like Frankensteining things together. Because I would get certain parts mm. of it really well, like on key, like very on um, key. But then other parts I would struggle with. So like we would just do 
just the verses and then we would do just the choruses and then just this connective part. So he was awesome mm-hmm. to work with and I really and and I I really admire him too cuz he's um a drummer in uh, one of the bands that I really like that's on Eccentric Pop on the label I'm on. Oh. And um or two of the bands actually. And he's just an awesome producer. So that was cool to work with him and uh we got it done probably in like an hour. And it was kind of nerve-wracking because Dougie and Reed were in the control room and I was just like singing the song. And I'm not that kind of singer that can just go and sing someone's song. So that was really like kind of one of those moments where I had to pull it together and just be like, well, I'm here. I'm going to do it. It might not be perfect. In fact, I didn't even sing the right lyrics for some of it. And I didn't realize <laughs> till after we left. So you pulled them Elvis. Wait, did Elvis do that? Yeah, there's like one song that he would like always sing it wrong. I forget which one it was. Huh. It was part of Love Me Tender, I think. Like he would always fuck up the bridge. Huh. How do you there's know a that? podcast about that. I listened to it. A podcast. I think it might have been Benjamin Walker's Fear of Everything. He no way. That. It was like, yeah. Because like the bridge like broke and he would like be talking emotionally about I think he was referencing, like, a girl that left him or something, and he would, like, always fuck it up. He'd always do something. Oh, the part where he's like, darling. Yeah, yeah. Um, Was that the episode about how Carl Perkins could have been, like, that Blue Suede Shoes was his song, but he got in a car accident or something, and he was in the hospital? Oh, maybe. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah, I need to re-listen to that, because I think I don't remember the part you're talking about. Mm. Um. So yeah, that it was, was crazy. Was about failure or something? Yeah, yeah it was anyway. about failure. So we had really good barbecue. I tried smoked salami. Mm. St. Louis is great for that. the The barbecue people were super cool because they were like these two punk kids, and they 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 were like, "Oh, are you guys in a band? Can you sign our menu for us?" And here's a bunch of free shit. So that was cool. And then we played a show, and that was pretty chill. It was just like a smaller show, but it had good added, good good vibes. Got to meet another friend from the internet that I didn't had never met before. Um, uh, Teflon Dave from the band Horror Section, and he put us up in his house. And oh yeah, he had a bottle of this stuff that is so gross. Um, it's like this thing people drink out there. Oh, what's it called? I want to call it. No, I did try Moonshine too, though. <laughs> I want to call it Malort's, but I think it's called – it is called Malort's. What I kept it? saying it wrong. Is uh, that like a liqueur? Yes. Or like a fernet kind of thing? Yes, but it tastes like an old lady's handbag. If you put <laughs> – it tastes like a chemical, like, tinted or a scented tampon chemical, like, <laughs> handbag, like, ashtray – so gross. No. And it was funny because in Chicago, um, somebody that I, I knew from the internet as well showed up and she was like, oh, you have to try this. And I think she was trying to punk me because I was just uh. – she was shooting it and I was sipping it and the bartender oh. even came over and was like, what is wrong with you? Like you are not allowed uh. to sip that. It's almost like Jägermeister. It was so gross. But um, oh. it's like a thing out there, Malort's. I want to call it Malort's. But um, he had that at his house. We had a little of that after the show. We watched 
uh, a, a horror movie on VHS. It was like a, a slasher movie where like cops kill, like a cop kills everyone. I think it was called Killer Cop. Killer Cops. We watched Killer that Cop. Terrible. It was great, actually. That was a really fun night. It just, I don't know why uh, people are drinking this. I feel like they're just trying to be like, this is ours, so we're going to drink it, but it's just so not good. Even though it's disgusting. Probably like people come out here and they're like, why are you drinking this disgusting looking green juice? And we're like, it's it's green juice. It's delicious. <laughs> but it's really gross. <laughs> no, that was cool. It was cool to meet Dave. He was super nice. And we had a nice warm bed and it was just like a chill night. Um, what happened after when that? When you come back, I want to do like a short YouTube video or maybe a podcast where we go around Berlin and try all of the barbecue and just trash it. Trash it. All right. I'm into it. <laughs> you know, I'm into anyway, that. Anyway, back to you. Um, where was I? I don't even know. Okay, so yeah, St. Louis. Then we then we drove to Cincinnati, Ohio. Don't even ask me how long of a drive that is. I don't even know. I should have put the hours of how long each one of these was, but I'm just looking at my journal. This is day nine for me because Reed and I came Ooh. early to practice, so it's day nine, but like show five or something, four. Cool. So we go to Cincinnati. Um, oh, this was a weird night because Cincinnati – was canceled that show got canceled because the promoter couldn't find any local bands to play with us so we mm-hmm. got the show got rerouted to fort wayne indiana thanks to a friend of dougie's whose name is ricky racket who is also in a band called sour mash cats uh which is sort of like a pop punk sort of rockabilly band they're cool okay so we got that rerouted it was really cute it was cute and they played surfing bird you know that song Mm, not sure. Well, everybody knows about the word, but a bird, bird, oh, bird, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> That's cute. So Ricky was awesome, and he got us a show in Fort Wayne at this place called the Brass Rail, which is apparently a very, um, I don't know, it's a very beloved punk bar, and a lot of cool punk bands play there. And I got to meet a local artist that does a lot of the flyers for. Um, those bands and some bigger bands and stuff. Uh, that was cool. It felt like there was a community surrounding the bar and hmm. that people were on board with that. You can feel that in a venue. And I was like, you know yeah. what? I'm happy that Cincinnati got canceled because this bar is really cool and I want to come back there. Um, Ricky was really nice, but he wanted to party all night. So we went back to his house hmm. and Reed was trying to sleep in the other room. And Ricky was like, let's party. And Dougie was like, let's party. And so I stayed up way too late. And we were, lo- mm. we were watching the um, It's Alive video of the Ramones concert in England on uh, filmed on New Year's Eve 1977. And so we were all just doing our best Ramones stances in the living room and cranking <laughs> it up as loud. As- and every time I would say, like, we should turn it down for Reed, like, Ricky would turn it up. And oh. so it was just one of those nights where shit got crazy. It didn't get too crazy, but it was just more like we probably didn't need to stay up that late. Um, but it was super fun and it was cool. I'd never seen the footage of that video. So it was like watching a Ramones concert. And then um, at the end of the concert when it was like um, New Year's Eve, like all this glitter came down on the crowd 
mm-hmm. the video and then Ricky came out with like shots of Jim Beam and was like, Happy New Year, 1977, which was funny. <laughs> He's a really cool artist. He's done really cool like pinstriping mm-hmm. and kind of like tiki inspired art and also lowbrow art and mm-hmm. – yeah, he had a really cool house just filled with so many books and records and very cool party pad. So that was super, super nice. But I was super hung over the next day and Reed was like laughing at me because I felt terrible. Mm-hmm. And we had a six-hour drive ahead of us. So that was a little rough. Cool. And um, yeah. So, oh, we so as we as we would just keep going on this tour, we would be staying up till three or four in the morning. So we wouldn't eat breakfast till like two. So mm-hmm. we decided one day we were going to go to Cracker Barrel at like two p.m. and get breakfast. And um, have you heard of Cracker Barrel? No. It's like a southern. It sounds like it should be derogatory. It, it kind of is. <laughs> it's like a southern style. I didn't know this before, but I guess they're very anti like gay rights and they're like one of those companies that suck i didn't actually know this till later Mm. but they're like a kind of a southern style denny's where you can get breakfast all day it comes with grits comes with bacon comes with Mm -hmm. like i don't know biscuits and that white chunky gravy stuff i'm not too sure what grits are is that like hominy no it's gross it's like the consistency of Elmer's glue with like chunks of Ooh. rice in it almost. Not rice, but those are the grits. It's gross. But the pancakes I, were awesome. So we went to Cracker Barrel. Food. Yeah. But we just had like mm. one super, super large, insane meal of just like southern breakfast food at like 2 p.m. And that like fortified us. And it was one of those breakfasts where you're super hungover. And you're, like, waiting all day to, like, have that big meal. And it was just – it was a very special moment. And Dougie put a bunch of butter in his grits, and I wanted to throw up because it looked really nasty. Um, it's one of the times we want to wear sunglasses at breakfast. Oh, yeah. We rolled into there just, like – And you're, like, don't look at me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the thing about Cracker Barrel, I guess they're known for their giant – they have, like, a giant gift store – and their gift shop huh. is just stuff that okay. is not even related to anything cracker cracker barrelly. It's just like records and like grandma gifts and like I don't That's know weird. just junk. And they had like David Bowie records in there, which I thought was weird. What? Because like every place now has records. Have you noticed that? No. Like I was in LA recently, and like this barber shop sold records and like. Urban Outfitters sells records and Barnes and Noble sells yeah. records. It was weird. Because records are cool now. I guess. It's like a trend coming back. But yeah. I thought it was kind of weird. They had like a David Bowie record next to the Keith Urban and Kenny Rogers records. That was weird. <laughs> it was just weird. It was just – I'd never been there and it was as weird as I imagined it would be. And there – yeah, it was just weird. Can you imagine if Denny sold records? Like that's weird. Yeah. Still okay. don't Still don't like grits. Still don't like grits. So then we went to Indianapolis, Indiana. That was a six-hour drive. And one of Dougie's bandmates from his other band, The Putts, uh, was uh, kind enough to put us up. Um, Billy Putts put us up at his house. He has this beautiful house. He's an accountant by day and plays punk rock by night, which was pretty cool. Mm. And he has got some really cute kids and a nice wife. And we got to stay in his finished basement. 
So that was pretty rad. And um, it was better than the other – we stayed at another finished basement that was like um, Dougie's cousin and we had to sleep in those um, Lazy Boy chairs. Oh, no. And I basically like peed in a bucket in their laundry room because there was no bathroom downstairs. <laughs> yeah. So this was a lot better. It was like a finished basement. It was like carpet. There was actual couches. Like that was a lot better than sleeping in the Lazy Boy – like trying to like go vertical. I like sleeping sitting up. <laughs> I and I didn't have a blanket, so I just used like my my scruffy leopard print coat as a blanket. But then like my legs would get okay. cold, so then I would like put my legs down. They'd get cold. I put them up. And you then, only have swimsuits to wear. Yeah, I only brought I only brought swimsuits. I wore swimsuits the whole trip. I'm not even kidding you. Even it was like storming and yeah. snowing and shit yeah the only day i didn't do it the only day was iowa city because i was so mad i didn't want to change i didn't even try to look cute for that show but every other show i wore swimsuits with uh, pantyhose underneath and like my big leopard print coat and my go-go boots so that i could stay sort of warm but yeah you should have brought your like insulated leggings with you i did i did i did okay. but on stage and I use the word stage in quotations, I would wear <laughs> my swimsuits. Um, so what happened? Okay, so yeah. So we stayed in his finished basement. He had a little barbecue. That was super cool. Um, it was fun to see him play because I've, I've known about his band for a while and I'm a fan. So it was fun to actually see them. Uh, but it was very low attendance because there was a punk show the night before there. And mm. so nobody showed up. And so that sucked. Mm -hmm. However, there were two guys that came from like an hour and a half away. One of them had gotten a babysitter and, you know, bought stuff. And we still made like 130 bucks in merch. I mean, everywhere we went, we people bought shit. We we averaged 250, 250 a night just selling merch. Why are these people that buy things? Well, one of the things about it, I think, is the label we're on, certain people really like all the releases so there's they just know they're mm-hmm. gonna buy it they trust and, yes okay. they trust it the other thing i think is just a lot of people aren't touring through the midwest so if if you if a cool right. band comes through they're like oh my gosh thank you so much for coming i have to buy a t-shirt because you know i don't yeah. see that many touring bands and and all the supporting bands i have to say were very energetic very excited to play with us very supportive put flyers up around town, like shared their gear. Yeah. So that part of it was always so awesome and great. Um, I see. So the merch is like a commemoration of like a special experience. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was giving away a lot of – They want you to come back. Yeah. Yeah. And they know that it puts money in your gas tank. And I I mean, we have cool T-shirts. People like them. And I was giving away like coloring books. Another thing I realized is I, if I just come. Oh my come... God, you guys have the best merch. Yeah, we do. Um, I want one of those patches. Oh, I'll send you one. So one thing I realized is when you get off stage, just go straight to the merch table and start selling. You're mm-hmm. going to make a lot more money. And even though I'm like drenched in sweat, I'm super tired and don't want to talk to anyone. I just have to do it. And I think that's mm-hmm. really helped and has been really um, like probably – Fifty percent more merch has been sold because of that. Because I'm not wrapping my cords, I'm not putting my guitar away. Yeah, I'm like Reed. Reed does all that. And I just go straight to the merch table, and I'm just like, "Hi, I'm here. Do you need anything?" And ha- taking credit cards has been really big. Mm. Um, 
So that was you really important. You have a reader? Yeah. Cool. So that was good. That's a good tip. Just go straight to the merch table because I think that your chances of selling merch probably decline like every 20 minutes after you play because people are inspired right. after you play and then, you know, an hour yeah. and a half later they're buying beers and they forget about it or they're just not inspired anymore. But also they want to talk to you and it's like a yeah. thing that they can do to engage with you that's like not creepy. Totally. And if you're up there smiling and you're just, you know, have your stuff available, they'll come approach mm-hmm. you. But if you're kind of – if you're just like somewhere else in the room, they're not going to come up to you, hey, I want to buy a CD because that feels right. very like they don't want to like bother you. So make it easy mm-hmm. to sell shit. So we sold stuff and it was really fun to see the putts and um, the this band, the Covert Flops, are really cool. They're like spy – they're like spy punk. They, they sing about spy stuff. That was cool. I sang all the words to all the putt songs I knew. So that was fun. And Dougie got to play two sets that night because he's the drummer of that band. Oh, okay. Okay. We're on day 11, I think. But not day 11 of shows, just day 11 of being gone. Wow. So then we get to Pittsburgh, which is a real city again. We played this art space. Yeah. Art space called Mr. Roboto's Mr. Roboto Project with a band called Go Go Gidget, which is like kind of beachy, surfy girl band. Mm-hmm. They were pretty cool, and they had like um, palm trees and pink flamingos as part of their set, which was pretty pretty rad. Mm-hmm. This was also the first time that I saw like queer people doing queer things on the entire tour. Okay, because it's Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, it's like a real city again. Mm-hmm. So like you were seeing like queer people kissing and black people Yay. and brown people. Like it, it made me realize how homogenous it kind of is in the Midwest. It was nice to like actually see different cultures for a second. Um, I wanted to explore more, but I just didn't have time. So we played that show and then we were whisked away pretty immediately to um, – and that show went really well. It was It was packed. It was really fun. So we were whisked away immediately to our friend John Prophet's house, and he runs a record label um, in this beautiful, basically restored, not even restored, just original 1950s style house that his girlfriend or fiance's um, grandma owned. So it's just like really weird. You walk in and you're just like, oh my God, I feel like I'm in an episode of like, I don't know, Leave it to Beaver or something. And so we stayed there in his basement, and he had a really comfy bed, and we got to hang out and talk about his record label, Mama's Basement Records. He gave me a really cool uh, vinyl to take home, and he showed me how to, like, game the system when it comes to sending records in the mail via media mail. Hmm. And he he had a lot of good insight, and um, he was just a really fun person to hang out with. He's the guy that has the moonshine. Because he is from Virginia. So we mm-hmm. had moonshine. And then his fiance Trisha, made us spaghetti and meatballs at like 2 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, they took us to where all the um, the coal miners used to like ha- live in these little townships where they had the company store. You ever hear about that? Like how the, the coal miners would have a company store where like they would get paid in these credits they could only use at the store that was owned by yeah. the company they worked for and how fucked up and that was. the coal miner company owned the housing too. And yep. Like basically, yeah. So these places were called patches and they took he took us down to this patch and it didn't look obviously the same as it used to, but it was interesting to see how all the little houses were in a certain area and then there would be like a community, um, 
like a community center area where like people would probably have dances back in the day or barbecues and like where the the general store was and all that stuff. So that was really cool. And then he took us to his um, fiance's family's pizza joint called Pizza Wagon, which is like the only place to get pizza there. And they've been doing pizza for like 40 years or 50 years, like family generational run restaurant. And we got all this free pizza. That Can you imagine was, living in a place where there's only one place to get pizza? Not only that, but it was like a wagon. Like it was literally like a hole. Like you just walk up. It looked like it was a, literally a wagon. Well, no, not a wagon. It was like it looked like almost like one of those trailers. Like a hmm. like one of those um like a mobile home kind of. Like a structure okay. like a small structure. But yeah. It was very cool because like the pizza was delicious. It was super like thick and we hadn't had pizza the whole trip and we got to have all this free pizza dougie tried anchovies pizza no you mean wood fire pizza Mm, not exactly but i guess it's similar yes so we got free pizza that was awesome got to hang out with john's daughter who's like really little and she was super cute and I helped her do a coloring book, and that was fun and super nice. And then we went off to uh, Columbus, Ohio, played this place called the Tree Bar because they have a giant ancient tree stump in the middle of the bar, bo- like in the middle of where the venue is, like where the bands play. <laughs> <laughs> and that was cool. And one of the bands. Um, the lead guy took off his shirt and on one side he had written cool on his belly and on the back <laughs> he wrote lame. So when he like flipped Aww. around, isn't that cool? That's cute. That was Joey from what band was it? Uh, Lust kill. He, that he really pulled out all the stops for that. And he did a lot of jumping off of that big um, tree stump. And the other band we played with that night was uh, Mum- Mumula. And they do like sort of like a mummies style garage rock where they dress like the like mummies. Like they dress up like mummies. Mm-hmm. Like the mummies junior. And they were super fun and cool. And they had awesome merch. But the bar itself, because it had rained so much in Columbus, it was like soggy. Like we walked in and there was literally like leaks all over the place, just like water everywhere. It was really it was really sketchy. But then it turned out the locals were all like, oh yeah, it's always raining in here. It's always flooded. So that was weird. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. But it was cool and super fun and well attended and a good show and the bands were rad. And then we're almost done. So then we went to Grand Rapids to, to do a Sunday, early sun, Sunday show, like just a, you know, earlier in the day show at this kind of like mm-hmm. 50s style kind of place. It's called Tip Top, Tip Top Deluxe Bar. It was very like 1950s style, like uh, – Hard to describe, but just very cute. Um, day show, that was really fun. There was this really drunk, drunk punk guy named Jeff who just kept saying, welcome to the Midwest. And he had like a mohawk and he was one of those guys that like he would just – he was like the only one moshing on a Sunday afternoon, like running into like chairs and like falling over. And everyone's just like, it's just Jeff. <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, shit just started getting weirder and weirder at this point. Then the next day we went to Toledo, Ohio to Culture Clash Records, which is a record store. And we were playing with 
a this was amazing uh, a steel drum band of like 15 members in this band and they're all like Whoa. high school to college age kids playing these steel drums like a calypso band they were a calypso band and there were like people playing like wood blocks and all these sort of like jazzy instruments i don't even know there's a girl with like a triangle I mean, you've seen you've seen steel drums, right? Yeah, but I've only seen like a few people playing them. But you know what I mean? Like, just yeah, we, it was just super weird. It was like a full-on instrumental, just just music, calypso weirdness, and it was cool. But it was definitely super weird. And then all like there were like fifteen people in this band, and they all had this insane equipment. And then after they were done, they packed up all their drums and left, which seemed really weird to me. Like, they didn't want to stick around for us, but whatever. Mm. Um, Maybe they had a curfew. Yeah, they were all super young, and they, were, they didn't look like they were having any fun. <laughs> oh. But the owner of the bar recorded our set, and I need to get our recording from him. That was cool. And they gave us free T-shirts, and it was just like a cool little indie record store that I would totally hang out at. So it was fun to meet them. And I got to meet this radio guy who's basically the reason our music is in Japan and got played on oh, Rodney cool. Bingheimer's show. Like, he's a local guy in Ohio in Toledo named Alex Kish. And okay. um, he's super tall. I was not prepared for him to be that tall. <laughs> I was like, you're so tall. And he came by and hung out. And so that was cool to meet him. And then we had our final show in Detroit at this place called Outer Limits Lounge, um, which is kind of near this area called Hamtramck, which is like a big Polish area. And we had this insane Polish feast that kind of reminded me of food we had in Prague a little bit. Hmm, okay. But it was like a feast. It was amazing. So we had a giant feast of Polish food. Then we played at uh, Outer Limits Lounge in Detroit with um, Dougie's other band, Devious Ones. And that was very Detroit. We talked to the owner of the bar who had like bought literally lots of land for like no money and had bought houses and businesses because as you know, Detroit is still, you know, rebuilding. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was pretty cool. Like we, we decided we could just move to Detroit and be like the, the kings of Detroit if we wanted to. <laughs> Because you can just buy whole lots of land and make yeah. a community garden or whatever. So I don't think you can buy a house for like a dollar anymore, but he bought still. the bar for eight thousand dollars, I think. The bar we were yeah, at. Yeah, you used to be able to buy it for like nine hundred and like restore it, but yeah. still he it's bought, so ridiculous. He bought like his where his parents' house lived. He bought that. He bought this other house on the lot where the bar is. He bought like a bunch of houses on his block. Like, it was crazy because I had wow. heard the stories, but I hadn't really, really heard it from somebody who'd done it. And it was very interesting to see that and made me kind of feel like, wow, there's a lot to be done in Detroit. But I also didn't get to see, like, the community gardens and the way that, like, the community is rising up to, like, take care of the city. And I felt mm -hmm. like so – I felt very much like a tourist. I didn't really get to see real Detroit. So next time I want to spend a lot more time in Detroit. So, so we did that show. And – then we had um, 
chili dogs to cap off the night and just like have a big another big feast, even though we probably didn't need to eat anymore. And I had my first uh, Coney Coney dog, and um, that was it. That was the end of the tour. Wow. Yeah. So, what would you do differently? What I do differently? Um. Probably do smaller cities that are closer together that are less right. people. Because I think even when we played super small, like smaller cities, not super mm-hmm. small, because we didn't really play any small, small cities. When we played slightly smaller cities, like Chicago was less attended than, say, like Toledo. Yeah. And I think... Because there are more choices and stuff. Yeah. So I kind of feel like it's worth it to play more cities where there's less people, but they're, you're, it's more special that you're there. Mm-hmm. You know? I think that's yeah. important. And I liked all the bands we played with a lot, but there were a couple bands that I feel like didn't really promote as much. And I kind of feel like maybe instead of just sending flyers to them, I, I could have gone in and done more promotion for them. Like called the local mm-hmm. newspaper, called the local um, radio station. Cause you can't, you can rely on people, but you also can't. So I think we relied on people a lot and they did, they did good and they helped us. But there's probably more stuff we could have done be above and beyond what we already did to promote stuff. Because if you're going to go on tour and it's your ass and your money and you're spending a lot to do it, it's probably worth it to, like, really try to get, like, more promotion. Because I didn't go out and try to talk to newspapers. Like, I normally would if I just do, like, someplace kind of closer. But because it was so out of my element, I didn't even know, like who to talk to. How to start. Yeah, but now yeah. I kind of feel like I kind of know more like, oh, this is the college radio station I'll hit up or this is like a cool alternative weekly newspaper in Milwaukee. And also mm-hmm. here's another punk venue in Milwaukee that's way more DIY that would be a better fit than this other place. So I don't know. I think I just like got my footing more. And once like the first time you do anything, you're like, hmm, what is this? And the second time you can be like, okay. But I, in general, really liked the Midwest. People were super friendly. The food was super good, even though there was, like, no vegetables. So I think we're going to go back in the fall. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you feel so like I've told – have I told you all of the tour things? Uh, I think so. Have I, I satisfied your I knowledge? Have... Well, after I look at the pictures, then I might have more questions. Okay. And then I'm going to end this segment and stop the recording. Okay. So there you have it. That is my very real, very authentic, very sassy conversation with my sister. Kind of a strange podcast, but I thought y'all might enjoy it and maybe even get some tips out of it. I tried to be transparent about how kind of shows work when you're a nobody band like myself. And you know what? I use that, I, I, I fly that flag proudly. I love being a nobody band and I love the fact that we get to play with uh, nobody bands too because you know what? I like our little club and it's, it's pretty cozy. So thanks to everyone that helped us out and um, you know gave us a place to stay and, and gave us a stage, quote unquote, <laughs> to hang out and play on. 
Um, if you do want to catch us on the road, we do have some dates, believe it or not. Um, Saturday, July 6th in Santa Maria. Friday, July 26th in uh, Portland. Saturday, July 27th in Seattle. And then guess what, y'all? We're going back to the Midwest because I need more mini donkeys. I need more ranch dressing and I need more giant tenderloin sandwiches. So we'll be back there in October 2019. We have some confirmed dates in St. Louis, uh, Illinois, and Indianapolis. So if you do want to get on those dates and kind of see what's happening with us, you can go to HaleyandTheCrushers.com and check out the shows. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram, duh, no doy, at HaleyandTheCrushers, H-A-Y-L-E-Y. And if you do want to hit up the podcast or you have questions, you can email me at sparkleanddestroypod at gmail.com. Also, I have to say, yes, the rumors are true. We did record a new album in April, and that's probably why you didn't get a podcast in April. Um, between the shows and the recording and the writing and the glockenspiel, yes, there will be glockenspiel. Um we just didn't have a lot of time to do other fun projects such as this podcast. So that new album is um, in the works. I'll have some news about that soon. And the best way to find out about that and be like on the tip of the, the informational iceberg or whatever is to sign up for our newsletter. And that's also on our, at our website. So hopefully I will be uh, speaking at you and throwing content all over your face and just like giving you so much content that you're sick of it. So um, I will be making you sick soon. Thanks for listening. And as always, sparkle hard and destroy harder. Bye.